Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. We've been in Romans 3, and um, we went from um, God's righteousness being upheld. We went to, um, to the idea that no one is righteous, and then we went into righteousness of God through faith. And um, can we give it up for Jeremy Shirky? He's killed it the past two weeks. <laughs> Done an amazing job. And um, so I'm excited to piggyback off of what he dropped on us last week. I'm going to be covering some of the same scriptures. So if you have your Bible with you, which I don't know if I've ever seen any of you with a Bible, you have your iPhone or your Android, um, you can go ahead to Romans 3, 27. Um, we're going to be going to the end, to 31. All right. Man, let me pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Um, God, we thank you that you are relentless in being on us about seeing who you are. Um, I thank you, Father, Lord, that you don't let us rest at the idea of you can run in this morning, Jay, and just play church this morning. But you always press on us that, like, no, the gospel needs to be preached. The one that sets people free. The one that releases people from their bondages. The one that gives people hope. The one that cost me my life that I had to bleed and that I had to die for and that I raised again for. So, Lord, I pray that in this sermon that if there's anybody here who has never heard this gospel, that your spirit would do a work and open their ears and their hearts. If there's people here who are believers and been believers for a long time that have grown a little bit stale, I hope we could wet them up a little bit, get them a little soggy in the gospel. And um, that doesn't sound good, but Father, you know what I mean, Lord. We just pray for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. All right, so let's get into this. Romans 3, 27 through 31 says this. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works. No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Man, you know, when I was listening to Jeremy's sermon the other day, I got crazy hype listening to it because... Um, I was listening to the sermon, and I just started thinking about how um, serious this idea of boasting is, like the way that it's being used in the text. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't hear the word boasting a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we do it so much that we're so used to it. It's like all we, it's, it's, it's what we know, and it's to the point um, that has to be so blatant for us to actually even recognize it when it shows up. You know what I'm saying? It has to be like that person who's like a jerk in the room who's like bragging all the time. And they're like, yo, you know, I don't care. And they keep cutting you off and like always telling you what they have or everything else. And it's like, boom, that's it. But I don't think we identify what it looks like in the nooks and crannies and how it actually works itself out um, in our daily lives, how much we are actually boasters. And like and the thing about it is that it seems like such a small thing, but it has this huge effect it's like it has a huge effect. It's like having like termites or something or whatever. It's so tiny, but it'll bring your whole house to the ground. You feel where I'm coming from? Um, 
the thing about boasting is that it's an anti-gospel. The way that he's talking about in his text, then what becomes of our boasting? It, it is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works. No, by, by, but by the law of faith. It's the anti-gospel because in boasting, we trample over the law of faith and we exchange it for the law of works. So we literally are trampling over the gospel and the truth. So it seems so small, but it's actually so dangerous. It's an anti-gospel. Not only is it an anti-gospel because of that, it's anti because it has this twofold effect. It causes division laterally amongst your brothers, right, and, and, and your sisters, then it causes division vertically with God. Because if he's calling us to have faith in Jesus Christ, then how do we think that we can actually do that if we think we can actually work and earn favor with the Lord? Y'all get where I'm coming from? So boasting is a very, very crazy thing or whatever. You know, I was... Uh, I, I told you all this a couple of weeks ago. So I was in the church and I bumped into a young lady and we were just talking and stuff. And um, she wasn't a believer at all. And we just, you know, I was told her, I said, man, I'm pastor of a church here. And she's like, man, it's a church back there because she was at the studio. And um, and so she goes, she keeps telling me about like everything, every Christian she knows. And she's like, well, you know, my aunt said this right here and my brother said this. And she's just going through the list. And But when she says it, she's kind of doing it in this kind of hopeless thing where it's like, well, they said this right here or whatever. And like, you know, and then she would just kind of stop. And everything she said was about working. It was about what she needed to do. And of course, her family and everybody that was on the other side of the conversation, they felt good telling her because they were telling her, you actually need to get like me. This is what I'm doing. Do you get where I'm coming from? This is what I'm doing. They were boasting. And that's how it pollutes the gospel. So when I told her the gospel that is about what Jesus did for her, she just sat and she weeped the whole time I was speaking. It, she, she weeped the whole time because I couldn't tell her anything about what I did. I was telling her about what Jesus Christ did for her on the cross. So it kills boasting. And then her feeling sitting over there feeling like a straight sinner, unqualified, unworthy. I stood right next to her. Me too. But let me tell you about this Jesus I have. You get where I'm coming from? All right, let's keep on moving. All right. The rest of the text says this. It says, by what kind of law? Let me start from the beginning. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works. No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Here's the thing. We aren't trampling the law. And when I say the law, what I mean is the Ten Commandments or the law of morality or the law that says we better do this to be right with God. And the law is not wicked. Because sometimes we go to these extremes, whatever, when we get a hold of the gospel and it talks about what Jesus did. And it's like he's conquered the law for you. We're like, oh, let's get out here and that crazy. And let's get to the club. Some of, some of y'all have clearly been at from seeing y'all dancing earlier, but you know what I'm saying? It's all good. You know, who can, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to boast because I don't go, but anyway, do what you do. All right. But the thing is, is that we're not trampling the law. And the reason we're not trampling the law is because this 
Jesus upheld the law for us. He upheld the law in that he actually satisfied God's wrath by never failing, by never sinning. Do you, you get where I'm coming from? And so he is a righteous sacrifice on our behalf. We don't meet the standards of the law, but he met the standards of the law. And that's what the text is saying there. It's saying that, for we hold that one is justified by faith in Jesus Christ, apart from the works of the law. All right? So we're not trampling over the law. Um, I want to jump to 1 John 1, 5 through 10 really quick. I love this scripture right here, but I think this scripture is going to help us with this conversation we're having. I feel so weird with this microphone in my hand. About the, it, you know, it's just different. I just feel like I'm supposed to just sing or something, you know? Who said that? On the road again. All right, don't play with me. That's what you get. That's what you get. All right, First John 1, 5 through 10. So it says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I'm not reading slow to burn up time. I'm reading it slow because there's a lot of big ideas in this text, and I really want us to get this because it's an absolute amazing text. Um, just a side note, when I used to read this text, it used to actually scare me because when it said the part where it's like, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice, practice the truth. I used to read that and go, man, I'm actually not perfect. So I'm like, man, I'm in, I'm in a jam. The scripture, I always used to skip around the scripture because I'm like, man, am I in darkness? Because I'm like, sometimes I sin and I mess up and everything else or whatever. And I feel like I'm repenting for the same things all the time. But if you read what he keeps on saying after this, he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, I've explained this to y'all before. Most of the times what we see as church is that we come to church and we play our little cute game. Hey, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored, brother. You know me, just the anointing oil of the Lord dripping all over me all the time. In it all the time, you know, never sinning, always grinning, will spin and praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then that's how, that's how, that's some of the, the fictitious part of church culture that has become what people know as the church. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about people who aren't in the darkness hiding from each other who they are in their brokenness and in their sin nature, but they're actually in the light, in the spotlight with each other, having real fellowship, confessing sins to each other and praying for each other and encouraging each other. And why can they do that? They can do that because it's not the law of works that makes them a believer. It's the law of faith. You get where I'm coming from? Now, if it's the law of works, of course you wouldn't come into the light because you would be disqualified when everybody finds out your little dark secret. Do you get where I'm coming from? But that's a whole different story when you can walk into the light, tell a brother or sister your dark secret, and they go, I've been there, or I got one, and I need to confess one too. 
I'm going to point you to Jesus. And I need you to point me to Jesus back. Because we actually get to, we get to actually celebrate that we're both covered by his blood. Are y'all with me? Some amazing stuff. It seems so hard because, but this is where the church is the church. What's hard about grasping this is when we don't act like a church. And so when we come out to confess stuff, people treat you like you have the plague or something. Or we gossip and we go, so-and-so is doing this right here. Pray for, that's the exclamation point we put on it, but we really are like, pray for, but I'm going to stay away from her. And then we throw the cold elbow on them. You know what I'm saying? You have to put the pray for them on the end because you feel guilty for gossiping, but it kind of takes it away. Y'all, y'all sitting there like y'all don't know that. All right, anyway. People know they do that. All right, anyway. But here's what it says. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. <clears throat> and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And listen to verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what's so amazing about it is that God is already saying, he's like, I already know that you're a sinner. And you are straight up a liar if you don't walk in the light and confess your sins. So it's completely anti-gospel for us to move in a way where that says we live by the law of works. And we can't come out of the closet and tell the truth and expose our sins and bring the skeletons out because we are slaves to mankind more than we are actually to the, the father we say we, we live for. All right. This is why this is so important. This is why it's so important. And what keeps us in the closet is that little word I said earlier. It's boasting. It's our pride. In that boast is pride. There's the cover-up. There's everything or whatever. Everybody knows. He just told on all of us, you're sinning. You're a mess. He just told on all of us right in the script. He said, if you say that you're not, you're deceived and you're lying. So the cat's out the bag. But our pride and our boasting and whatever we try to put on top of that pig, whatever lipstick, you know, MAC lip gloss number 49, whatever you roll with, whatever your shade is, whatever your shade is. I know how you women do Whatever, you got 50 little sticks or whatever, and you're always, like, hitting the right shade and making it work. It won't take away this thing I'm talking about, all right? I'm just letting you know. All right. So what is walking in the light? It's trusting the work of Jesus Christ in a way that annihilates all of our boasting. And welcomes us into the truth. A truth that says you are a sinner and I'm a sinner. And that Christ is a savior. And verse 10 kills everything. Because it says if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. And the reason this is such an amazing statement is because it's going to be true. The day you're born. The day you become a believer. And also the day that you go to be with Jesus Christ. You will be a sinner throughout this whole process. So there's never not a point that we can actually step back from leaning into this idea of faith. And, here, and, and here's the thing. The word talks about Christ being having steadfast love. It says his mercies are made new every morning. The reason he says that is because we continually need it. You get where I'm coming from? It's like this right here. Like he has put so He's put his life, he's laid his life down for us. But even now, even now, the word tells us that he's praying on our behalf, even now. 
and he is, he is, his mercies are being poured out all the time, and his steadfast love is like ticking all the time. Now, it's not even ticking. It's like a Rolex. It just keeps on rolling all the time. The mercy, the grace for every thought, every single thing you do that falls short of his glory. So when we pick up the law of works, we disrespect all of that. You get where I'm coming from? You ever, like, went out your way to help somebody out? Or, like, you had to lay, like, yo, I need some money, and you're actually broke, but you get the money for them? And, 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 and you get the money, and they don't know you might miss a light bill or something like that. But then they're like mad nonchalant about what you did. And they don't know what it costs you. You ever had somebody do like that? Somewhat something similar? Well, imagine that, but in this perspective. With Jesus dying on the cross for our salvation. But we belittle it by, you know what I mean? We belittle it by, by boasting by acting like we have something to do with it. Jeremy gave an excellent example of that last week with the basketball player. I can't remember his name since I never watched basketball. But I listen to all of your conversations and go around all my sports fanatic friends and repeat what you say and act like I do. <laughs> and been talking about Peyton Manning for like 15 years. I don't even know if he even plays football. <laughs> or hockey, I'm sorry, hockey. Anyway, I'm just playing with you now. All right, okay. All right. So this is bad news for those who trust in their works. It's bad news because God only accepts perfection. And it's good news for those who trust in the law of faith in Jesus Christ. But the scripture gives us good news in verse 9 because it says... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every single bit of it. The blood of Jesus wipes out all of our iniquities. All of our iniquities. If you lean into the law of works, you have to hit it perfect. It means you can never, ever, 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 ever sin. And if you think that's you, then we're going to check you into... A clinic. Have Officer Darren walk you out right now. All right. All right. And then there's good news in verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. And, and then I want you to see this right here. Fellowship with one another. So earlier, one of the things I was speaking about was how boasting is like the crux of division amongst people, all of us, all of us. Um, Let me jump back over to Romans real quick. Verse 29 says this. It says, "Or uh, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? And it says, yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? You see, it uses the word faith twice. What's important about that is this right here, because we all know that the Jews actually thought that they were meeting the law. They boasted in that. The Bible talks about how they 
pranced around in front of everybody because they thought they were meeting the mark. They thought they were actually good enough and everybody else were peasants, so to speak. And so the, mere, the idea of Gentiles now being called by God is like, are you crazy? Like, I'm circumcised. Do you know what I had to go through for that? Anyway, all right. I would be mad if I was them too. But anyway, so all I'm saying is this right here. I'm sorry. That's, all right, anyway. So what he's saying, he's, 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 hitting the, he's hitting the Jews, which is where we start off when we went into Romans 3. He's hitting them and he's saying like, yeah, the oracles of God have been entrusted to you. You are God's chosen people. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to come before me with repentance. Your sins are just as ugly as theirs are. And if you don't have faith, you're done. The law of works is not going to cut it. None of y'all are righteous. You can't come into my presence. I only accept that that is perfect. And he purchased perfect with the blood of his son, Jesus. Jesus. 